Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I'm excited to announce that we just launched my new book, The Fasting Transformation, a functional guide to burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. If you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you know that I'm a huge advocate of fasting. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting helps balance your blood sugar and improve your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in the body, how it optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and activates stem cells for deep cellular healing. Guys, I go through how fasting, I go through all the best science and research on intermittent and extended fasting and how to utilize it to help prevent or even heal from cancer, autoimmune conditions, digestive disorders, and neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Guys, the book goes over all the various research and practical applications for daily intermittent fasting, partial fasting, and extended fasting. This book is designed to help inspire and empower you to embrace a fasting lifestyle while also enjoying tasty and healthy foods at the right time to improve your metabolic flexibility and energy efficiency so you can burn fat for fuel and have all day energy. You are gonna love this book, so check it out. You can get it on amazon.com. We also have a website, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. That's drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. You can learn more about it. And of course, you can pick the book up on Amazon. You're going to love it. Thanks so much, guys. This podcast is an audio recording of one of my most popular YouTube videos on joint inflammation. So many people are out there are dealing with chronic joint pain and joint inflammation and joint degeneration, causing things like osteoarthritis, disc damage, disc degeneration in our spines. I mean, all kinds of different joint-related issues. But there are things we could be doing proactively and symptomatically in order to improve joint health so we never get in a chronic pain state, or if we are, so we can get out of pain and really uh, help optimize our overall joint health. And that's what I go through in this podcast. You guys are going to learn the best foods, the best lifestyle strategies, herbs, and different nutrients that I recommend for people that are dealing with this. And if you have not subscribed to our channel, please do that now. That way you get notified whenever I put up a new podcast, so you never miss one of these important trainings. And I would be so honored if you took a moment 
went on to your Apple iTunes podcast player, found our channel, and went all the way to the bottom and clicked on leave a five-star review. And you left us a five-star review. When you do that, when you leave us those reviews, that helps us reach more people and impact more lives. And I know you care about helping people. So thanks so much for leaving us a review. Thank you for being a part of our community. And let's go into the show. Hey guys, today's advanced training is on joint inflammation, causes and natural support strategies. And so when we look at joint inflammation and pain, obviously they go hand in hand. And acute pain, like for example, when you get an injury or a trauma, you know, it's normal to have pain. You have inflammation in the area, it's all part of the healing response. And uh, having pain is all part of that process because pain tells the body, tells the brain, we need to reduce tension, reduce stress on this area. We should stay off of it or, you know, just basically we need to allow it to heal. The problem is when we have chronic pain. Chronic pain is pain beyond the expected period of healing and really doesn't serve a, a purpose. You know, we want to be able to be very active and uh, do all the things we want to do throughout the course of our life. And chronic pain and chronic joint inflammation can be major limiting factors in what we want to do throughout the course of our life. And chronic pain is a huge issue in our society today. They're one of the fastest, one of the one of the most prescribed medications are opioids and different pain, different non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications, um, steroids. These things to help reduce inflammation and pain are very commonly prescribed and they have terrible side effects and they never really get to the root cause of the issue. And that's what we're gonna go through in this presentation here. And so we know inflammation affects every area of the body. And inflammation again is part of the body's natural healing response. Inflammation itself is not a bad thing. Inflammation is designed to, pr to protect us from dying quickly from some sort of systemic disease, systemic infection. You know, years ago, our ancestors, uh, when they got an infection, the infection, which typically would come in from some sort of tissue trauma, so they would have a wound, the infection would get in, and, you know, very often the infection would spread and it would get into their lungs possibly and cause pneumonia, or it would get into their nervous system and cause meningitis. And people would die from systemic infections, might get into the heart and cause pericarditis. So they would die from systemic infections, from bacteria getting into, uh, you know, different tissue wounds and spreading throughout the body and, and destroying major vital organs. Today's day and age, we really don't die from infections. That's very rare in, in a first world country. But the body has hardwired itself to protect itself against some sort of uh, infectious bacteria from damaging major regions of the body. And so the way that it's, it's hardwired this adaptation is through inflammation. And inflammation is an immune response where the body starts upregulating all these different immune cells that damage things and they they certainly uh, will target and damage bacteria and protect us from dying from the infection the unfortunate thing is when they're up when when we have inflammation up for a period of time it damages our vital organs as well you know we've all experienced like a sprained ankle and we've had swelling and pain in that area that's part of the inflammation process it's damaging the tissue it's actually breaking down tissue 
so that the, the tissue can be rebuilt. It's also protecting against the infection. The problem is when that inflammation never stops and when it's a low-grade uh, kind of smoldering level of inflammation over time that damages different regions, right? And it affects every system of the body. And of course, today we're talking about joints. And the main things that we'll experience when we have chronic joint inflammation is joint degeneration, osteoarthritis. Uh, and then of course, um, we will have pain, right? So we'll have pain in the joint. We'll have limited range of motion and mobility in the joint. And we, um, you know, we'll obviously experience pain and discomfort and uh, loss of, you know, just our range of motion and our ability to really live the way that we want to live. So here's an example of a normal joint. Here's an example of an osteoarthritic joint, right? An inflamed and damaged joint. Now, this typically takes a minimum of 20 to 30 years of chronic joint inflammation. It's not like this happens overnight. It's usually a long process, 20, 30 years of chronic inflammation in the joint to get it to, to degenerate like this. Okay. So it's not even like a year or two, although, you know, in certain cases you can have like a car accident, whiplash, or, you know, major trauma, possibly to your knee. This is a knee joint, for example, that accelerates the inflammation over time. However, you know, usually these are processes that take quite, quite a few years, decades to develop. Now, some of the major things that contribute to joint inflammation, well, one is bad diet. According to a 2018 review published in Autoimmune Reviews, eating a conventional Western diet high in inflammatory processed foods can increase inflammation through increasing insulin resistance and obesity. So insulin resistance means your body is not responding to insulin. Insulin drives up inflammation in our, throughout our body and particularly into our joints. A 2020 study published in Clinical Rheumatology showed that participants with autoimmune joint inflammation found that increased glycated hemoglobin or hemoglobin A1C, which is one of the key labs that we look at when we're looking at inflammation. It's a long-term marker of blood sugar imbalances and other heart disease risk factors. So a high hemoglobin A1C means your blood sugar has been elevated for a long period of time. And that elevation creates glycation where the sugar molecule binds to proteins and creates a change in the way that the protein reacts. And the protein now becomes highly reactive and damaging. It creates a lot of oxidative stress in the system which can increase your risk of heart disease, joint inflammation, all those types of things. So basically, people with higher levels of hemoglobin A1C, meaning higher blood sugar levels, had more inflammation in their system and more symptomatic autoimmune joint inflammation. So very important that we get rid of, you know, or minimize our exposure to bad food ingredients. That's so important. So insulin resistance is developed because, you know, in a sense, we eat, we tend to eat a high carbohydrate diet in our society. So if you're eating cereal, oatmeal, things like that for breakfast, that is going to drive up your blood sugar. Now, those sugar molecules will glycate to proteins and they'll create these advanced glycation end products, these AGEs that damage tissues. So the body knows that high sugar is toxic to the bloodstream. So it will release insulin. So if the pancreas releases insulin, insulin's job is to take the sugar to the cells where it can be used as an energy source. 
But what happens is when we have this chronic consumption, now our cells themselves become inflamed and damaged and they do not respond to insulin effectively. So they become resistant to insulin. Now blood sugar stays elevated. We have to produce more and more insulin. And that more insulin activates inflammatory gene pathways, which promote more inflammation. Okay. And so now we've got more inflammatory molecules in our system. And that just increases the amount the, our carb cravings. It's kind of this constant carbs, you know, make us feel good for a, a period of time. Uh, but inflammation is driving up blood sugar imbalances in our system, which causes more cravings. So then we constantly are, again, are eating more carbs, blood sugar goes up. We have this roller coaster that takes place. So when I'm looking at the labs, two major labs that we look at are your fasting insulin. And so we, what we want to do is we want to see what is your insulin, your blood insulin like um, after fasting for, let's say, 12 to 14 hours. And normally, it should be between one and five. A lot of times, I'll see people where their levels are 12, 14, 16. This is a sign when you have insulin levels like that, even though you haven't eaten in a while, that your body is insulin resistant. It's not responding to insulin and it's overproducing insulin. Now, we're also looking at the hemoglobin A1C levels because that tells us how much of the red blood cells have been damaged by blood sugar, by sugar molecules binding to the proteins and creating functional changes and creating sticky proteins that are what we call glycate. Basically, they're, they're glycated end products is what they're called. And so that optimal level should be between 4.5 to 5.2. Many experts want to see it under five. If it's 5.7 uh, to six, that is considered pre-diabetic. And then up over 6% is diabetic. However, we never want to get you know past 5.2. We want to keep it down around five or below. So we have less of this sort of um, oxidative damage to our blood cells. So very important numbers that we look at. Now, your gut is so important when it comes to your overall inflammatory load. We know that the gut is one cell wall and it works like a cheesecloth, allowing only nutrients through, but keeping larger food particles and pathogenic bacteria, yeast, and parasites out. In a leaky gut, the tight junctions are loosened so undigested food particles and pathogens can get through and activate the immune system, which causes inflammation and food sensitivities. So clearly we wanna make sure that the gut is strong and that it's very, um, has good integrity, good resilience to stress. Both gut dysbiosis, which dysbiosis means bad bacterial balance. So we have all these bacteria and microorganisms and many are good and some are, are not so good. And we, we need to have the right balance. Dysbiosis means an overgrowth of bad, uh, not enough good. So, so gut dysbiosis and leaky gut syndrome increase inflammation throughout our body, including our joints. A 2019 study published in, a, in the journal Helion found a correlation between gut dysbiosis and joint inflammation. Again, gut dysbiosis leads to low-grade systemic, that smoldering inflammation that can increase the risk of symptoms of joint inflammation. So very important, again, that we're working on our microbiome and helping to heal and seal the gut. So important. Now, stress is also a huge factor. When we have increased amount of stress, we increase cortisol. Cortisol causes a loosening 
in the gut junction. So cortisol, high cortisol, uh, high stress hormones in general, epinephrine, norepinephrine, will cause more gapping in the gut and cause more uh, issues with inflammation coming from our gut. On top of that, it causes blood sugar imbalances. So when we're under stress, we're turning up blood sugar imbalances as well as uh, we're also turning up leaky gut. So it's really important that we keep stress under control. I think all of us realize that stress is a major culprit when it comes to increasing inflammation and um, detrimentally affecting our life and our health. So very key. Now, biotoxins. Biotoxins are hazardous organic substances that can cause significant damage to the human body. These compounds are produced by living organisms and biotoxin illness happens when these biotoxins affect the body adversely. So we're looking at things like mold and yeast. So mold exposure from our from the air, for example, Lyme disease, different viral infections like Epstein-Barr, bacterial endotoxins like something called LPS, lipopolysaccharides, which is a bacterial waste product that's released uh, from the gut that can get into the bloodstream and trigger inflammation. So these are all things that drive up inflammation in the body. Now, we look at chronic infections. Lyme disease and Epstein-Barr can increase chronic inflammation and trigger joint inflammation, joint pain, and other musculoskeletal problems. A 1995 review published in the American Journal of Medicine found that joint, tendon, and muscle pain are common characteristics of Lyme disease. And we have a serious issue of chronic Lyme disease. Now, normally, we should be able to deal with the Lyme spirochetes. Um, and however, unfortunately, many people in our society, due to a compromised immune system, have a massive overgrowth of these spirochetes that they typically encounter from a tick bite or possibly a mosquito bite at some stage in their life that um, becomes reactivated oftentimes and, and drives up more inflammation in the body. A 2011 study published in the Journal of American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery found that joint inflammation is a common orthopedic complication of chronic Lyme disease. A 2016 case report published in Rheumatology Clinical found that Epstein-Barr virus can lead to inflammatory patterns and joint inflammation. So these are definitely important considerations that we've got to look at. We also have to deal with mycotoxins. Mycotoxins are toxins that are produced by molds. And these compounds are known as biotoxins as well, and they're poisonous substances produced by living organisms. And so mycotoxins are kind of the way that mold uh, has plant warfare, right? So it's competing with bacteria, it's competing with other living organisms, and it releases mycotoxins as part of its chemical warfare process. Unfortunately, these mycotoxins, if we're exposed, they're gonna drive up inflammation in our body as well. A 2003 study published in Clinical Rheumatology found that mold from moisture damage can trigger an autoimmune response and result in related joint symptoms and joint inflammation. So mold and mycotoxin exposure are definitely big issues that we've got to make sure that we're reducing our overall exposure to. And I'm going to go through some solutions too, as we go on. Now, before we do that though, I'm, I'm covering all, you know, some of the major causes I should say, I'm you know, not necessarily all of them. There are things like, for example, oral infections, cavitations and um, different issues going on in our mouth, right? So many people are dealing with 
um, cavitations in their mouth, which are areas that have been like where we've had teeth pulled that um, are harboring bacteria. They have root canals that are harboring bacteria, uh, just basically depleting the immune system, driving up inflammation. Some people have gingivitis or different different levels of inflammation directly in their gums and their teeth that will also drive up inflammation. Um, so that's a major factor as well. Now, vitamin D is definitely critical when it comes to joint pain and different and just chronic pain in general. Uh, vitamin D is incredibly important for your joints, muscles, and bones. A vitamin D deficiency can not only weaken your bones, that can lead to joint issues, but it also affects your immune system, increases inflammation, triggers autoimmunity. Of course, that increases your risk of joint inflammation. 2017 study published in the Orthopedic Journal of Sports Medicine found that low vitamin D levels have been associated with cartilage problems and joint inflammation. A 2015 study found that taking vitamin D may help to prevent articular cartilage erosion and joint inflammation. So very important that we address vitamin D levels and ideally getting our levels up over 50 nanograms per milliliter is going to be optimal for us. Now, omega-3s, according to a 2018 study published in the Clinical Journal of Pain, high omega-6 to 3 ratios have been associated with inflammation in the knee joints. On the other hand, according to a 2018 study published in Open Heart, a low omega-6 to 3 ratio, so that is what we're actually trying to get most, we need a omega-6 to 3 ratio roughly around 2 to 1, two parts omega-6, one part omega-3. Most people are walking around with like a, a ratio of like 20 to 1, way more omega-6 than omega-3. You can see on this slide that excess omega-6 and insufficient omega-3 consumption can lead to that dietary imbalance and drive up inflammation. So uh, this 2018 study published in Open Heart showed that a low omega-6 to 3 ratio can help to reduce inflammation. So Again, we know that omega-3s are anti-inflammatory and they play a key role in every cell. This is a cell membrane. It's the outer wall of every cell in the body. And it needs to have the right amount of omega-6, the right amount of omega-3. It also needs saturated fat and cholesterol in there. So we need the right ratios of these fats. Unfortunately, most people, because they're eating a lot of corn oils, soybean oil, a lot of processed foods, lots of grains, and then they're also eating a lot of grain-fed meat, meat that's been fed a lot of grains. All those things are very high in omega-6, low in omega-3. So we want to increase our omega-3s in our diet. So important. And so the best foods for that are going to be our grass-fed, organic, pasture-raised animal products. So those are going to be very high in omega-3s. Also our wild-caught fish and seafood so wild-caught salmon, extremely high in long-chain omega-3s are going to reduce inflammation in the body. We also want to make sure we're consuming things like lemons and limes. We're low glycemic fruit that's not high in sugar, but also very rich in antioxidants, vitamin C, bioflavonoids. Um, so very good there. Berries, avocados and avocado oil, green tea, which has epigalactin catechins, um, which are very good polyphenols for reducing inflammation. Non-starchy vegetables, so you know your broccoli, your cauliflower, your cabbage, your kale. So these kinds of things again are going to reduce inflammation in the system. They're not driving up blood sugar. They're not starchy. Um, they're very nutrient dense. 
uh, bone broth, vegetable broth. Broth is one of the best things, particularly bone broth and getting more collagen in our system. Really good for joints, right? Provides uh, a tremendous amount of key nutrients like hyaluronic acid, glucosamine, and chondroitin that help support joint health. So bone broth, vegetable broth, very important. Apple cider vinegar, so key for reducing inflammation in the body, very good for stimulating bile flow, stomach acid production, digestive juice production. So we love apple cider vinegar, ginger. So chewing on some ginger root before meals, uh, drinking ginger tea, very good strategies for keeping inflammation down and improving digestive health. Ginger is also well-studied for reducing inflammation in the body. And I recommend it as a supplement as well for reducing joint inflammation, but certainly getting it in our diet. Organic extra virgin olive oil and eating olives themselves. Um, olive oil is so powerful, lots of polyphenols in there, vitamin E, so very good healthy fat that downregulates inflammation in the body. Fermented vegetables. So some people, if you have a histamine issue, you may need to avoid the fermented vegetables, but for many individuals, they do quite well adding in some sauerkraut or some pickles or some kimchi or some coconut milk kefir or something like that. Really, really good for adding more probiotics, prebiotics, and postbiotics, more, more organic acids that are produced by the, by the uh, healthy bacteria that are in these foods, which downregulate inflammation in the body. Um, some of our sulfur compounds, garlic, onion, chives, can also be really effective for driving down inflammation. Using a lot of different aromatic herbs, basil, oregano, thyme, rosemary, sage, these aromatic, that meaning that they smell good, they taste good, these Italian-style herbs, putting those on food. This is something that's missing in our society today. Most people are eating food without a lot of herbs. And so when we, when we consume food, when we make you know healthy meat, vegetables, things like that, it's so important to put on a lot of these healthy herbs. They're gonna drive up, in, they're gonna drive up uh, the overall antioxidant levels. They're also carminatives and they help with digestive juice production. So they help you produce the right amount of digestive juices and they're antimicrobial. So they help to regulate your microbiome. Coconut products, so getting coconut milk, coconut flakes, butter, oil, um, really good healthy fats with medium chain triglycerides there that help your body burn fat for fuel, help keep you satiated. They turn into ketones in the brain. So a lot of great benefits there. So these should be kind of the staples in our diet that, that create the foundation of what we're looking for. I just wanted to take a moment and interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my new favorite products. It's the Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex. If we're gonna thrive in life, we've gotta keep inflammation under control. We know that chronic inflammation is at the root of every degenerative condition. And turmeric is the most well-studied herb for supporting a healthy inflammation response in our body. It really supports good, healthy blood flow, joint health, brain function, our ability to have a healthy mood, memory, mindset. And so when we look at what's out there on the supplement market, when it comes to turmeric, most of the supplements are using one isolated compound called curcumin. And curcumin is really, really powerful. However, what most don't really fully understand is that turmeric, whole food-based turmeric has nearly 300 other beneficial components other than just curcumin. Now, the issue with turmeric is that it has notoriously low bioavailability on its own. So it's very hard for our body to absorb. It really needs fat, 
And also warming herbs really help support the absorption. You think about like a curry, for example, this famous Indian dish, they've got a lot of turmeric in there. That's why it's kind of orange colored, but it's usually in a coconut milk base and it has warming herbs like black pepper, ginger, different things like that in there, cloves. And so Paleo Valley, this is what they did with their turmeric complex. They put in coconut oil, they put in black pepper. The combination there has been shown to increase the absorption of all the different compounds in the turmeric by 2000%. So they've dramatically increased the absorption level there. And they added in organic ginger, rosemary, and cloves, which are warming herbs that really support digestion, help you fully pull out as much of the nutrient value out of the turmeric as possible. These herbs also are great for supporting healthy inflammation, the immune system. They're great for the brain. Uh, and they're also great for blood sugar stability. So they're all in the Paleo Valley turmeric complex. And guys, you can save 15% off this product by going to paleovalley.com forward slash drjockers and using the coupon code jockers at checkout. That will save you 15% off your order. If you want to thrive in life, you've got to keep inflammation under control. Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex is really the best supplement out there for helping support a good inflammation process and allowing you to live at your best. So try it out today. Now, ketosis. So actually getting ketones elevated from time to time can be extraordinarily helpful. And we can do that through a low carb diet. We can also do it with intermittent fasting or a combination of a lower carb diet and intermittent fasting. And ketones are like a, a very clean fuel source. So they're like equivalent to a car that gets better performance. So, so they produce more energy. They have better gas mileage. They have less metabolic waste that's produced. Um, so significantly less exhaust and carbon emissions. They're, they're a really ideal fuel source for our body. And according to a 2020 study published in Pain Medicine, eating a low-carbohydrate diet, such as a ketogenic diet, can reduce pain in people with knee joint inflammation. So ketosis offers similar health benefits as intermittent fasting, helps increase cellular autophagy, reduces inflammation, improves your blood sugar, and um, reduces your risk of chronic disease. So fasting as well, I'm a huge advocate of this. And in this presentation, I'm gonna go through a fasting pain protocol for you. But fasting drives up autophagy where our body breaks down older damaged cellular organelles and starts to replace them and rebuild them with new healthier organelles. It reduces, shuts down inflammation in the body. It improves the microbiome. So the actual overall diversity of the microbiome and the types of bacteria. In fact, we know that um, that intermittent fasting actually increases uh, one of the keystone bacteria called Ackermansia mucinophilia, which is associated with lower levels of inflammation and better overall digestive health. And then fasting also helps regenerate immune cells. Many people have... Uh, senescent immune cells, meaning immune cells that are too old. They're old. And um, because of that, they're driving up inflammation in the system. And so fasting helps to regulate that and regenerate new, healthier immune cells. Now, also very important that we're keeping stress down and that we're also prioritizing a good sleep. Now to get good sleep, I prefer to have my room cool 
or you can use there's different devices that um, help to uh, you know make your bed cooler them itself, right? So um, you know you can look at different things like that. Chili pad is one of those. But I like to have an overhead fan on, sometimes the AC on. I like my room to be around 65 degrees with the fan on. I sleep better that way. Keep the room as dark as possible. Use a sleep mask, a little mask uh, over your eyes to help block out light so you can produce more melatonin. Melatonin is a really powerful anti-inflammatory hormone that your body naturally produces that regulates your inflammatory levels. Avoid caffeine within eight hours of sleeping. So you don't want caffeine too late in the day. It can, it can affect your sleep quality. Don't eat within three hours of sleeping. So try to finish your last meal by 7 p.m. ideally. And try to get as much sleep before midnight as possible, at least one hour before midnight. They say every hour of sleep before midnight is equivalent to three hours of the regenerative capacity of sleep after midnight. So doing your best to try to get to sleep at a good time is so key. Get sun exposure during the day. So get out in during the day and try to get some exposure to sun. That actually will help set your circadian rhythms and help you sleep better at night. Exercise regularly. So exercise, but not late at night. So the latest you'll want to exercise is roughly around four or five o'clock. Okay. You, you don't want to exercise, at least not too intensely. After that, that can affect your sleep quality. Avoid bright light after sunset. So dim your lights in your house, for example. Put on blue light blocking glasses. That can be really helpful if you've got if you're looking at your devices or if you you're watching, you know, a program on TV or something like that. Um, that will help reduce the amount of blue light you're being exposed to. Blue light's going to drive up stress hormone, and that's going to reduce your melatonin and reduce your ability to get a good night's sleep. Wind down at 9 p.m. You shouldn't have goals after 9 p.m. You should be relaxing, winding down getting ready for sleep. I ideally try to be in bed by 10. Again, every hour of sleep before midnight is equivalent to three hours of the regenerative capacity of sleep after midnight. So it can be really important. Now, movement and exercise. In general, you know, movement and exercise are different. So exercise is something at a high intensity, really trying to get your heart rate up or build lean body tissue. So it's strength training or some sort of like a interval training. That would be an example of exercise. So it's gonna be done at a higher intensity, whereas movement, just going out, taking a walk, or riding a bike, or something along those lines, that is low intensity, but we're getting movement in. And movement is key. Movement helps increase circulation, stimulate lymphatic drainage, enhances the oxygenation of your different tissues, it helps drive up the right types of neurotransmitters and balance your neurotransmitters. So you're calm, you're relaxed, as opposed to being agitated and irritable and anxious. It helps reduce stress and tension on the body, helps activate some endorphins, which make you feel good, improves your mood, your happiness level, and enhances mental clarity and memory. So we should be moving throughout the day. Now, if you have serious joint inflammation, you may not be able to do high intensity exercise. You know, if you have serious joint inflammation in your knees, for example, osteoarthritis or something, then, um, you know, using something that's low impact, maybe uh, getting on an, an elliptical machine or a stationary bike will be more helpful for you to get exercise into your legs as opposed to, you know, running on a treadmill or running on concrete 
concrete road or something. That's going to be high impact, put a lot of tension and stress on those areas and not allow you to heal properly. So, you know, you're going to have to partition your exercise based around where your joint inflammation is, but all of us should be doing what we can to move, to get movement in. Movement itself is anti-inflammatory on the system. Exercise is designed to improve our cardiovascular uh, output as well as our our lean body tissue. So building strength, endurance, you know, that's the goal of exercise. Movement is all about improving circulation, tissue oxygenation, and enhancing the healing process, keeping inflammation under control. So getting out, getting movement in on a regular basis, just so important here. Now we got to support the gut, right? We talked about that and how important the gut is. And so probiotics can be extremely important here taking the right form of probiotics and taking uh, enough probiotics. We may need to support our overall digestive health, right? Our stomach acid levels, our um, digestive enzymes. And so that way we're optimizing our digestion. That's going to help keep inflammation under control. We may need an air purifier. Air purifiers help to pull toxins out of the air. Things like mycotoxins, for example, um, that we mentioned earlier. And so that way we're breathing less toxins. When we breathe toxins in, it drives up inflammation. Less toxins in our air, less inflammation we're going to drive up. So I recommend an air purifier. Um, I, re- I have a link uh, that you guys can check out. And uh, by the way, you know any of the studies, references, uh, go ahead and check out the document that comes with this video. So be sure to check that out. We've got all the resources there. Now, the process of detoxification and eliminations, we want to make sure that we are eliminating toxins. So we got to make sure we're breathing well because we eliminate a lot through the lungs. We also, you know, all so the, so the liver is our primary detoxifying organ, but it's really deactivating toxins. It doesn't get stored. Toxins don't get stored in our liver. Toxins have an affinity for our fat cells, our bone marrow, our, our central nervous system, our brain, for example. And they can also affect our joints, our blood, our tissues, and our muscles. So the liver itself is deactivating the toxins, and then we're eliminating them through our skin, through our kidneys, through our colon, and through our lungs, right? So we're getting rid of them through those areas, and that's how we are getting them out of our system, right? So we've got to make sure that those things are open, we're hydrating our body, we're, we're peeing and pooping our way to good health, right? So important. Now, optimal vitamin D, vitamin D deficiency, we already know and we talked about, can contribute to joint inflammation. According to a 2017 study published in the International Journal of Molecular Sciences, vitamin D plays an important role in reducing inflammation and pain management. And a 2015 study showed that vitamin D supplementation can reduce chronic pain, which is a common characteristic of joint inflammation. So obviously very important. We should be getting our vitamin D levels checked on a regular basis, really making sure they're up over 50 nanograms per milliliter and ideally up, you know, especially if we're dealing with chronic inflammation, getting them up around 70 to 80, maybe up to 100. Now, EPA and DHA, so these are the long chain omega-3 fats. So when we eat chia seeds or flaxseed, that is a small chain omega-3, ALA, alpha lipoprotein, alpha linoleic acid. Alpha linoleic acid is less so associated with reducing inflammation. It's the long chain omega-3s, EPA and DHA, that have a higher association. These are the ones that really drive down inflammation. 
And it's hard for our body to convert the small chain omega-3, ALA, that we find in plant foods to make it form into EPA and DHA. So this is why it's important that we're getting these long chain omega-3s from animal foods, particularly wild caught fish, wild caught seafood, grass fed uh, animal products, grass fed beef, for example. And then of course, um, you know, very important that we're also supplementing with it if we already have joint inflammation. A good omega-3 to 6 ratio is critical for reducing joint inflammation. A 2007 meta-analysis, meta-analysis are the, that's a review of all the double-blind placebo-controlled studies. So it's, you know, really the highest ranking and it's looking at human studies. So this is published in Pain. It showed that three to four months of supplementation with omega-3 fatty acids can help reduce inflammatory joint pain. So ideally trying to get around two grams of this EPA and DHA seems to be the sweet spot. A 2020 study published in the Mediterranean Journal of Rheumatology found that omega-3 fatty acids can benefit autoimmune joint inflammation. So we know that it's gonna reduce inflammation, whether it's osteoarthritic inflammation or even autoimmune activity as well. Now, a supplement that I'm also really big on is proteoenzymes, proteolytic enzymes, really powerful for breaking down uh, circulating inflammatory proteins and supporting, and so it, things like uh, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, for example, proteoenzymes helps to chew that up. So chews up the inflammatory molecules. Uh, it also helps to break down damaged tissue, form new healthier scar tissue, new healthier um, joint tissue as well. So proteoenzymes is part of my advanced protocol for reducing inflammation. And I also like to use the, these herbs, turmeric, ginger, boswellia, and rosemary. So these are well-studied. Um, when we look at curcumin, or which is the main ingredient in turmeric, um, it's been shown to help boost detoxification, support healthy heart function, promotes healthy mood balance, helps with fat burning and metabolism, supports joint and muscle health, fights whole body inflammation, supports healthy skin, and helps improve cognitive function. Curcumin, again, is the active ingredient. And a 2016 systemic review and meta-analysis of randomized clinical trials, turmeric extracts and curcumin may reduce the symptoms of joint inflammation. According to a 2016 review published in Drug Design, Development, and Therapy, Curcumin has anti-inflammatory benefits for joint inflammation. So very, very powerful, well-studied. We want to get adequate doses though. In some cases, we need really high doses, right? At least like one gram multiple times a day to get you know, the, the best benefits. So if you're not noticing that your body's improving, if you're taking low doses of curcumin, you may need to boost up your dosage. And that's oftentimes what I will do is high doses, a lot of these things synergize, like turmeric and ginger really have a good synergy. Ginger is an anti-inflammatory herb similar and from the same family as turmeric. According to a 2001 study published in Arthritis Rheumatology, ginger extract has shown positive benefits for knee joint inflammation. 2015 systemic review published in the Nutrition Journal has also found that ginger has anti-inflammatory benefits and a 2013 comparative study published in the International Journal of Rheumatic Disease has found that ginger and turmeric used combined have anti-inflammatory benefits for joint inflammation. So they synergize 
work really well together. So if you can find a supplement, obviously you can do this with your diet, but to get clinical dosages that are going to really, really move the needle quickly, um, using a supplement that combines these can be really powerful. And then you can even get a higher level of synergy when you combine it with uh, Boswellia, which is also called Indian frankincense. According to a 2019 randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled pilot study published in Phytotherapy Research, Boswellia extract can be beneficial in the management of joint inflammation. A 2020 systemic review and meta-analysis published in BMC, Complementary Medicine and Therapies, also found that Boswellia can have anti-inflammatory benefits for joint pain. So when you take all three of these together, you're going to get a really great down-regulation of your inflammatory pathways like nuclear factor kappa beta. Um, it's going to inhibit these cyclooxygenase enzymes. These are all part of the inflammatory amplification process where inflammation just becomes amplified and hard to stop. And <clears throat> taking these three together, really powerful way to, to synergize and reduce those inflammatory proteins. So what I use is my Inflam Defense, which combines turmeric, ginger, boswellia, as well as proteolytic enzymes that are in there. And then also things like rosemary, quercetin, uh, resveratrol, which are all really powerful for downregulating overall inflammation in the system. So my pain relief and supplement protocol, and this is on... Uh, you know, oftentimes I'll have people do a three to five, three or five day or seven day fast. It can be a water fast, or it could be like a bone broth fast, for example. And during this process, we'll take 10 proteoenzymes two times daily. We always take it away from any sort of food. So if we are doing a partial fast or, you know, a bone broth fast or whatever it is, we want to take that away from meals. That way it can just get deep into the system and start to break down inflammatory proteins. If we take it with food, it acts like a digestive enzyme, starts breaking down the protein in our meal. So we wanna take it away from that. And same with the inflamed defense. So we're gonna take six caps, two times daily. So really therapeutic levels here. And we're doing this roughly for a week, okay? To get inflammation down quickly. That is the entire goal of here is, you know, somebody has significant levels of joint inflammation, you know, we are restricting the amount of food that we're consuming, getting into a low calorie state, which is uh, naturally anti-inflammatory, elevates ketones in the system, which turn down inflammation. And then we're adding in these two supplements to dramatically reduce the inflammation in the body. And it's a powerful protocol that really works. I mean, if you want something that works quick, you know, I mean, in, in a sense, a week is, is quick when we're dealing with some sort of chronic systemic inf inflammation. This will work. So, um, so definitely powerful, powerful stuff to try. You want to do it with either a partial fast, um, so like a bone broth fast or a fasting mimicking diet where you're consuming roughly 800 calories or less for at least three days, ideally five days. Okay, and maybe up to seven days doing that low calorie state and that along with these supplements to get the best benefits. I mean, taking the supplements and that dosage itself, even if you're eating a you know, normal calorie load is going to work. It's going to reduce inflammation significantly, but you're going to get much faster, you know, much more powerful, long lasting pain relief um, utilizing 
this protocol along with the fast. So hopefully that's helpful, guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this training. And, you know, be sure to stay tuned for other trainings that we're doing in this inf inflammation series. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.